Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Chris's Courses at Westlink in our current series, Questions in Genesis, where we look at the first foundational book of Scripture to see what it wants us to ask about who God is and who we are as God's people. Uh, now, if you follow you know, these episodes right as they come out, you may notice you're getting two right in a row, so I apologize for that. Uh, I didn't get last week's recorded uh, until way late. Uh, it's the holiday season, folks, so that's just kind of how it goes, but at least today I'm getting it uh, on the day it's supposed to come out. So we're picking up today in chapter 26 of Genesis. Now, where we got to last time, where we finished, well, we finished the story of Abraham. We got uh, the story of his death. Uh, there's a little bit about Isaac in there, uh, as well as Ishmael shows up again. Uh, and so, you know, one of the things we saw and we'll continue to see is that Isaac, as, as important as he is to the story, as a character, he's he's not he doesn't really get his own focus very much. Unfortunately, he's as I say, he's the middle child of the patriarchs. Uh, and so he'll be in the story some today. But even there, he's kind of a secondary character to, to Jacob, uh, because that is where the story is turning to focus on Jacob, who's going to become the father of the 12 tribes of Israel, because he's going to have his name literally changed to Israel by God later on. And so, but th that's later, early on, what we're seeing is mostly the conflicts that happen in this family, the conflict between Jacob and Esau, his, his twin brother. And we see that a lot of that's driven by their, their very different natures, how Esau is manly, he's a hunter, he's even very hairy, that's, that's part of it that comes up a lot. And he's his father's favorite. Uh, he's also, you know, maybe not too smart. Uh, and then you contrast him with Jacob, who's very clever to the point of being kind of deceitful. Uh, but he's he's not really an outdoorsman. He's he seems like he's more of a mama's boy. And so we're seeing the way that that uh, that conflict between the two of them, between their parents, because each parent favors one of the children, how that uh, affects all the things that go on in, in this story. Now, I said we pick up in chapter 26, but we're really just going to skim over that chapter. Um, this is, you know, it's kind of the only chapter that Isaac gets. It seems a little out of place because we've really already introduced this Jacob versus Esau narrative. And then we, we step back to tell a few stories about Isaac. Um, and it's, it's out of place because Jacob and Esau don't show up. And the other thing that makes these stories kind of odd in chapter 26 is, well, we've kind of heard all this already. You know, it, there's repeating uh, similar stories like with Abraham, where Isaac is afraid of some foreign king when he goes into his territory. So he passes off his his wife as his sister. And then the truth comes out and it doesn't go too well. Uh, there's conflict over uh, wells and who owns those. Abraham also went through something similar. Uh, and then there's notes about Isaac being very blessed with wealth and other material goods. So in some ways, it's I think it's just kind of here to illustrate the connection between Abraham and Isaac, that the same things are happening again, or you know, these traditions uh, can get applied to, to both of them in some ways. And as for why this is here, uh, I think the, the idea that links this story to Jacob and Esau's story, as we're going to see as we get into chapter 27, is it's the importance of the blessing, right? And in my notes, I have the blessing in, in caps, right? Because it seemed like this is such a, an important particular blessing that goes to Abraham and then Isaac. So if you look at chapter 26, verses uh, three to five, God does appear to Isaac and, and tell him, stay in the land there that you're in um, and I'll bless you, uh, you and your offspring, I'll give you these lands. 
I will fulfill the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father, and multiply your offspring like the stars in the heavens. Right. So God appears to Isaac, I think maybe the only time that happens and really just repeats the the promise that he had made to his father, Abraham. So we see that this promise continues now that Abraham is gone. Isaac is the one who's carrying this promise, carrying this blessing. Uh, but as I mentioned, him and, and how he uses it is not really a major focus of the story. Uh, it's about which of his sons is going to get it. So uh, we'll pick up now in chapter 27, and I'll start reading this, the opening part of the story where they're preparing to take the blessing from Isaac. Uh, I'm going to be reading today from Robert Alter's translation of the Hebrew Bible. He's a Hebrew scholar. It's a very poetic uh, version that uh, is, I think is, is really beautiful. So it may sound a little different from the way you know you, you might usually hear it, but uh, I think it brings out uh, a lot of the, uh, the, the meaning of the story in a powerful way. So uh, Genesis chapter 27. And it happened when Isaac was old that his eyes grew too bleary to see. And he called to Esau, his elder son, and said to him, my son. And he said, here I am. He said, look, I have grown old. I know not how soon I shall die. So now take up pray, your gear and quiver and your bow and go out into the field and hunt me some game and make me a dish of the kind that I love and bring it to me that I may eat so that I may solemnly bless you before I die. And Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to Esau, his son, and Esau went off to the field to hunt game to bring. And Rebekah said to Jacob, her son, look, I have heard your father speaking to Esau, your brother, saying, bring me some game and make me a dish that I may eat. I shall bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. So now, my son, listen to my voice, to what I command you. Go, I pray, to the flock, and fetch me from there two choice kids, that I may make them into a dish for your father of the kind he loves. And you shall bring it to your father, and he shall eat, so that he may bless you before he dies. And Jacob said to his mother, Look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth-skinned man. What if my father feels me, and I seem to cheat him, and bring on myself a curse and not a blessing? His mother said, uh, upon me, your, the, your curse, my son, just listen to my voice and go, fetch them for me. And he went and he fetched and he brought to his mother and his mother made a dish of the kind his father loved. Rebecca took the garments of Esau, her older son, and f the finery that was with her in the house and put them on Jacob, her younger son, and the skins of the kids she put on his hands and on the smooth parts of his neck. And she placed the dish and the bread she had made in the hand of Jacob, her son. Now, really, before we even start talking about what they're doing to get this blessing, it's probably helpful to think about well, what does it mean to bless someone? You know, what does it do? And, and when do we do it? Really, in our culture, the most common time that you get blessed is when you sneeze, right? God bless you. And we, you know, we don't even think about it. That's just what you say, um, you know, whether or not you know, you hear stories sometimes that that was a tradition that came from trying to keep your, your spirit from fleeing or you know, something like that. I don't know. It's probably not even true. So don't quote me on it. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's not a very common thing to, you know, do a blessing over people, at least at least in the tradition I grew up in. Um, you know, I think a big question as we think about blessing is, are we making something happen or, we, or are we recognizing what's already there? You know, it's, it's bringing God into it. You know, we can, maybe it seems, makes a little more sense to us to, to ask for God's blessing, uh, for God to bless us with health and wealth or, or other sorts of things. Um, and so it's almost, you know, it's, it's not that difference from a prayer request of asking God to do something, asking for God's blessing. I think when we think about me blessing somebody, that's where we start to, uh, we're not as sure how that works. Uh, you know, I think 
you know, it, it is bringing God into it, but, you know, can you force God to do something for somebody else just by saying these words? At that point, it almost starts to seem like like magic. And as as we'll see in this story, and especially as we think deeper about it, God doesn't really work that way. God isn't able to be manipulated just by us using certain words. Uh, so I, I think the, the better way I've come to understand uh, a blessing, giving a blessing or receiving a blessing is it's just calling to mind for us what is already true, right? We're, we're naming something that God is already doing. You know, it's important for me in worship at our church, we end with a blessing. The idea that as you as you go from this time where we've come together to worship, you're, you're taking something with you, uh, whether it's, it's a word of encouragement, uh, giving you something or calling you to do something. Uh, I think that's what a blessing looks like. But I think it's really interesting. You even hear it in this story and you'll hear it more as we get into it specifically, how they really see there being this power to receiving a blessing that you can't take it back. That it's, it's not just words. It's actually doing something. And so Isaac knows he needs to do this because for whatever reason, he feels like he's getting to uh, his last days. And so he wants to bless his favored firstborn son, Esau. But Rebecca wants her favorite son to get it. Uh, and so she goes through all this big scheme of, you know, here, Jacob, do this and, and all these things, you know, get the food and I'll make it the way your dad would want. And let's, you know, put on Esau's clothes. We'll make you hairy <laughs> like he is. Uh, and and we're going to get this blessing for you, Jacob. So obviously, Rebecca did the right thing, right? Uh, you got to get God's blessing for the chosen son. You know, we had that that prophecy or oracle back uh, a couple of chapters ago when they were still in the womb. And at least, you know, the, the more maybe the more obvious way to read it is that the younger son is going to lord over the, the older one. So, you know, she knows that. So you got to get God's blessing, whatever means necessary. Anything goes. Well, okay, that's probably not the right way to look at it, right? I don't even think that's necessarily what Genesis is trying to get us to think. You know, the story itself, it's surprisingly neutral. It's just, this is what they did. You know, I don't know what expectations you bring to scripture or assumptions you might have, but, you know, I know I think we tend to expect that anytime somebody does something, the narrator or God will step in and say, and this was evil in the sight of the Lord, or this was pleasing in the sight of the Lord. It happens sometimes, but a lot less than what we might assume. Uh, it's up to us to determine, is this really what God wants these people to be doing? And, you know, if even if you do think that Jacob is the one that's supposed to get this, this promised blessing, uh, the blessing of Abraham and Isaac, is deceit really the right way to go about that? Is this really the way that God would want that to happen? Uh, now, we're going to talk about the blessing in a minute and whether this is even that blessing. And we also talked last time about how that word from God earlier is a lot more ambiguous. And it's really not clear which son is going to be on top. Uh, it could be read either way. But, you know, you can assume Rebecca read it where, well, yeah, obviously it's Jacob. He's the best. He's my favorite boy. Um, and so maybe that, at least for her, that's how she's justifying it. But we don't have to assume that that's what God wants. Uh, with so many of these stories, I, I think, you know, as we were talking about this last night in our class, uh, God is probably thinking, hey, don't bring me into this. This is just you. Uh, and yet this idea of a blessing, God is involved somehow. And, and I think we do have to work to figure out, okay, where is God in this? And, and in what sense is God wanting this or going along with it, uh, even if it's not exactly what God would want? Uh, but let's see exactly how, how the story continues and how Jacob does what his mommy tells him. So picking up in verse 18, 
He came to his father and said, Father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you have spoken to me. Rise, pray, sit up, and eat of the game, that I may solemnly, you may solemnly bless me. And Isaac said to his son, How is it you found it this soon, my son? He said, Because the Lord your God gave me good luck. And Isaac said to Jacob, Come close, that I may feel you, my son, whether you are my son Esau or not. And Jacob came close to Isaac, his father, and he felt him, and he said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, and the hands are Esau's hands. But he did not recognize him, for his hands were, like Esau's hands, hairy. And he blessed him. And he said, Are you my son Esau? And he said, I am. And he said, Serve me, that I may eat of the game of my sons, that I may solemnly bless you. And he served him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. And Isaac, his father, said to him, Come close, pray, and kiss me, my son. And he came close and kissed him, and he smelled his garments. And he blessed him, and he said, Ah, see, the smell of my son is like the smell of the field that the Lord has blessed. May God grant you from the dew of the heavens and the fat of the earth and abundance of grain and drink. May people serve you and nations bow before you. Be overlord to your brothers and may your mother's sons bow before you. Those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you blessed. So like I said, Jacob does exactly what Rebecca told him to do. And so I think a good question here is, well, should Jacob be held responsible for this deceit that he that he pulls on his father, uh, you know, he's he's doing what his mom said, but, you know, he probably could have spoken up if he was not actually on board with this plan in any way, right? He seems completely happy to do this. You know, he, he lies directly to his father multiple times, right? You see Isaac over and over saying, like, are, are you my son Esau? Who are you? Really? And every time he's like, no, it's, it's me, Esau, right? He could have come clean. He had multiple opportunities to do that. Uh, to me, the the most telling and most troubling thing is is when Isaac says, "Well, how did you get the food so quickly?" Right? If if Esau is meant to be going out into the field to hunt, that can take some time. And what does he say? Oh, well, the Lord your God gave me luck. Uh, which this is a little bit of a side note, but going to be important for Jacob's story overall. You notice that he says, "The Lord your God," right? Not the Lord my God. Uh, so in some sense, Jacob is saying, this is Isaac's Lord that, that I'm bringing into this. Uh, and so, yeah, Jacob, he's he's the one doing it. So we can't just say, oh, this is all Rebecca's fault. Um, and, you know, Isaac in this, it seems like he's getting, well, the wool pulled over him, uh, so to speak. But he does seem suspicious through the whole thing, kind of like we mentioned. You know, so there's a chance that he's not even entirely convinced. You know, he, he goes through all these steps. He's like, well, let me... Uh, let me feel your hands. Well, okay, yeah, it doesn't sound like Esau, but it feels like him. Uh, well, let me get, get close. And then he smells him. He's like, okay, that I guess that convinces him. But maybe there's a sense in which he's not fully convinced either. Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, later on, he does seem surprised uh, when he finds out what, what has actually been going on. Um, so uh, I want us to look at this specific blessing that Isaac gives to him in verse 28. Because if you pay attention to the words that, that are used and what Isaac is blessing uh, him with, this is a blessing for a strong, manly, firstborn son. This is not the covenant promise, the covenant blessing of Abraham, right? Because that promise, that blessing is all about possessing the promised land and having a, a large family. It doesn't actually mention that here. It's more about you're going to have this material wealth, right? The, the fat of the earth, uh, people will serve you, 
uh, you'll lord over your brothers, uh, and you and you'll be blessed. But right, that that actually is not quite the same. You know, Abraham's blessing did include a lot of those things, but it, it doesn't name the most important parts of God's promise to Abraham here. Uh, so this shows us that, that there is a blessing for Esau, and there's a blessing for Jacob. Jacob is meant to carry the promise. This is what we're going to see as we go further in. Uh, and Esau had his own blessing, which is which is what Jacob steals here. Uh, and so the problem is that Jacob wants his brother's blessing too, right? I mean, this is kind of Jacob's journey through the story is him learning he doesn't have to be Esau to be blessed. He can be blessed for being himself, right? I mean, he's literally pretending to be Esau here. So it's, you're seeing like, in a real way that he wants to be someone that he's not. I mean, we all experience this, right? What happens when we try and imitate other people's gifts or when we get uh, kind of jealous of other people's gifts? It doesn't work out that well, right? I I do not have very much athletic talent. That ability went to uh, other siblings in my family. And, you know, when I've tried to do that, it, it doesn't work out too well. And, and for the most part, I'm fine with that. I'm not trying to claim too much there that I don't have. Uh, but there's plenty of times, maybe even especially in church, where we, we look at what somebody else can do and we just think, man, I really wish I had that gift. I wish I could sing or, or teach or preach or, or you know, lead in these other ways. And, and if you're not gifted in that, it, it doesn't always work out that well. You know, at the same time, we don't want to say only certain people get to do certain things and be limiting in that way. But it's important for us to recognize what gifts we don't have but also what gifts we do have, because everyone does have their gifts that God is blessing them with. Uh, so we don't need to imitate people that have gifts just because we wish we were like them. All right, so then we pick up in verse 30 with Esau's blessing, the blessing that he does get. And it happened as soon as Isaac finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob barely had left the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came back from the hunt. And he too made a dish and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, let my father rise near the game of his sons, that you may solemnly bless me. His father Isaac said, Who are you? And he said, I'm your son, your firstborn, Esau. And Isaac was seized with a very great trembling. And he said, well, Who is it then that caught game and brought it to me? And I ate everything before you came and blessed him. And now blessed he stays. When Esau heard his father's words, he cried out with a great and very bitter outcry. And he said to his father, Bless me too, father. And he said, your brother has come in deceit and has taken your blessing. And he said, Was his name called Jacob that he should trip me now twice by the heels? My birthright he took, and look, now he's taken my blessing. And he said, Have you not kept back a blessing for me? And Isaac answered and said to Esau, Look, I made him overlord to you, and all his brothers I gave him as slaves. And with grain and wine I endowed him. For you then, what more can I do, my son? And Esau said to his father, do you have but one blessing, my father? Bless me too, father. And Esau raised his voice and he wept. And Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Look, from the fat of the earth shall be your dwelling, and from the dew of the heavens above. By your sword you shall live, and your bro brother shall you serve. But when you rebel, you shall break off his yoke from your neck. So earlier in the story, Esau has not come off too well, right? He seems like he's not too bright, um, and he just gave up his birthright like he didn't care about it. But you want know, to read this part of the story, it's it's very sympathetic to Esau. You hear his pain and his his grief at, at what's happened to him, 
And and so again, as much as Genesis seems to, we think it's just focused now on this one family and who gets the promise. It's not gloating over the losses of those who are not chosen. Uh, and that doesn't mean that, that they should be rejected or looked down on. Now, again, you see something we've, we've mentioned before here that this, this blessing, it's like this irrevocable force, right? We don't, we don't tend to think about this in our culture, at least not in my experience, uh, because, you know, to me, it would just say like, well, they're just words. And, and, and if that was meant for you, Esau, then let me just say it to you again. But it's like, well, no, I, I said it to him, even though I thought it was you. So he gets it. Uh, that's the, you know, it doesn't maybe make as much sense to us, but this is their worldview that this is a real thing that, that Isaac has given uh, to, to Jacob, even though it was on accident, and now it belongs to him. And so Esau is like, well, well can't you give me something? And it's, again, another one of these places where it's a little more vague than what we might think in the way that, you know, I, I was often taught to read this. You know, Isaac isn't just saying, nope, sorry, nothing for you. Um, he does give him something here in uh, verses 39, 39 and 40. And it's a very ambiguous, quote unquote, blessing because of verse 39. You know, in the translation I read, it said, from the fat of the earth be your dwelling. And if you go and look in your different translations, it might say, most commonly, it'll say away from the fat of the earth. Uh, And some might have a footnote or something else that says of the fat of the earth be your dwelling. Uh, That Hebrew preposition there can be interpreted either way. Uh, Both are an accurate reading of it. So it's either saying Esau will receive none of the fertile land or he will be blessed with fertile land too. Um, And so you can't just look at it and and know exactly what Isaac is saying to him here. It's it's maybe intentionally kind of vague. Uh, And if you want to figure out, well, was Esau blessed or not, just go look at the rest of the story. Because when he shows up back uh, later on in chapter 33, kind of towards the end, he says that he has plenty. So it seems like he does receive uh, the fat of the earth and the dew of heaven. Uh, so Isaac seemed like he actually, d- despite the way he talks, he does still have a, a blessing for Esau. Now, it, it is saying, you know, the whole thing about he's going to be over you. We can't change that because that's true. And yet it, that is mentioned in this as well. Uh, he says, yeah, your, your brother is going to be over you, but also you're going to be able to fight back. And so this is a blessing for, you know, a mighty man. Uh, it's, he's going to be a man that's going to be probably familiar with a little bit of violence in his life. Um, and so it's actually very similar to Esau, uh, sorry, to Ishmael's blessing. Right? Ish, Esau and Ishmael are very similar, uh, play a similar role in this. And, and so, you know, he's got natural strength. This blessing is pointing that out and he's not going to lose that. So, yeah, is this a blessing or a curse? Or is it something in between? Uh, again, I think we just need to acknowledge the ways that this, it's, it's intended to be vague. And we, you know, these pro, they're, they're not prophecies in the sense of it's just telling you exactly what's going to happen. It's, it's more fluid than that, right? This is not just um, Greek tragedy where everything is just decided ahead of time. Um, what, what I think we see in scripture is that God is more dynamic than that. Uh, God's not being manipulated into doing things like people tried to manipulate other ancient gods, um, but it, it's it's more complex, and I think that makes it much more interesting. So uh, let's pick up in verse 41 and uh, see how Esau responds to what happens here. 
And Esau seethed with resentment against Jacob over the blessing his father had blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, As soon as the time for mourning my father comes round, I will kill Jacob my brother. And Rebekah was told the words of Esau, her elder son. And she sent and summoned Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Look, Esau your brother is consoling himself with the idea he will kill you. So now, my son, listen to my voice and rise, flee to my brother Laban in Haran, and you may stay with him a while until your brother's wrath subsides, until your brother's rage against you subsides and he forgets what you did to him, and I shall send and fetch you from there. Why should I be bereft of you both on one day? And Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. If Jacob takes a wife from Hittite women like these, from the native girls, what good to me is life? And Isaac summoned Jacob and blessed him and commanded him and said, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Rise, go to Padnaram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take you from there a wife from the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. And may El Shaddai bless you and make you fruitful and multiply, so you become an assemblies of people. And may he grant you the blessing of Abraham to you and your seed as well, that you may take hold of the land of your sojournings, which God granted to Abraham. And Isaac, was sent, and Isaac sent Jacob off, and he went to Padanaram, to Laban, son of Bethuel the Aramean, brother of Rebekah, mother of Jacob and Esau. So Esau, after finding out what Jacob has done, stealing both his birthright and his blessing, decides he's going to kill Jacob as soon as his father is, is dead. I guess out of respect for his father, he's going to wait a little bit. And also, apparently, he, he said this out loud. So Rebecca hears it. Again, Esau doesn't seem like the type to like secretly conspire in the shadows to make a big plan. He's just going to start telling everybody, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him because he's just angry. And so Rebecca uh, decides, well, we better, we better get Jacob out of here. We need to send him away. And uh, so she convinces Isaac that he needs a, a non-Canaanite wife. Uh, and, you know, the, the background here, uh, I don't know if we had mentioned this before, but back at the end of chapter 26, Esau had married two Hittite women. And that's who specifically she's talking about. Right? It says in that verse that they were, you know, very, they made life difficult for Isaac and Rebekah, these women that Esau married. So that's that's what she's responding to. And so that's why... Um, you know, she can use this as a reason to get him out of town. Now, she says also that Esau is going to forget what Jacob did to him. Uh, that's probably not going to happen, uh, but he may be a little less angry, right? It's less of that rage in the moment, but Esau's not going to forget what Jacob did. And so um, the scheme is, well, well, we'll give a reason for you to, to go. It's to go find a wife from, from our people, from our family back home, and you can go stay there for a bit. And, you know, Isaac understands that. That's what Abraham did for him when he found Rebekah. He, he sent somebody back to their homeland. Um, and so as Isaac is sending Jacob off, he blesses Jacob. He blesses Jacob knowing that it's Jacob. Right? This is chapter 28, verses 3 and 4. And this is incredibly important to the story because this blessing that, that Isaac gives here is explicitly the blessing of Abraham. This is the blessing that is about land and offspring, right? He, and he directly says, I'm giving you the blessing of Abraham, that you're going to have this land and you're going to be fruitful and have all these, these people that come from you. Jacob didn't steal that blessing from Esau. That blessing was always meant for Jacob. As much as Isaac may have preferred Esau, uh, he could have given Esau that blessing any time. But he gives it to Jacob here, even right after Jacob has lied to his face and stolen this other blessing. Uh, 
Isaac knows, for whatever reason, that, that this is the way it's meant to be, that it's not going to the firstborn son, it's going to the younger one, right? This is such a big theme in this book, and really through all of Scripture, that God is not choosing the one who we would choose, who has uh, natural strength. God chooses the weaker person so that God can bless. Uh, it's clear that God is the one that's doing the blessing here. Uh, and so, uh, Jacob has received the blessing of Abraham, and he goes off to, to be with Laban. And Esau, we, uh, if you look at the next few verses, he responds to this in verses 6 to 9 by immediately getting another wife, a Canaanite wife, to anger his parents. So <laughs> Esau still doesn't always make the best choices. Again, it's, it's interesting that this uh, daughter that he marries is, is named as a daughter of Ishmael. So again, you're seeing this clear connection between Esau and Ishmael, another ignored firstborn son. And so, again, we don't need to be envious of other people's blessings. There's a blessing for every single person. God blesses everyone in their own unique ways. You know, again, like we mentioned before with, with being jealous of people's gifts, when, you're, when you have envy over what somebody else has, when you look at their life and think, man, if only my life was like that, it never goes well. You never know what other people are actually struggling with. You're only sometimes seeing the best in other people, but we all have our own blessings and we need to, to know those and claim those and, and live out of those, not just to be jealous of what others have. All right, well, let's wrap up today with the story of Jacob's dream on his, on his way to, to Laban. So I'll pick up in verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. And he came upon a certain place and stopped there for the night. For the sun had set, and he took one of the stones of the place and put it at his head. And he lay down in that place, and he dreamed. And look, a ramp was set against the ground with its top reaching the heavens. And look, messengers of God were going up and coming down on it. And look, the Lord was poised over him, and he said, I, the Lord, am the God of Abraham your father and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, to you I will give it and to your seed. Your seed shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall burst forth to the west and the east and the north and the south, and all the clans of the earth shall be blessed through you and through your seed. And look, I am with you, and I will guard you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done that which I have spoken to you. And Jacob awoke from his sleep, and he said, Indeed, the Lord is in this place, and I did not know. He was afraid, and he said, How fearsome is this place! This can be but the house of God, and this is the gate of the heavens. Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone he had put at his head, and he set it as a pillar and poured oil over its top. And he called the name of that place Bethel, though the name of the town before had been Luz. And Jacob made a vow, saying, If the Lord God be with me and guard me on this way that I am going, and give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, and I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. And the stone that I set as a pillar will be a house of God, and everything that you give me, I will surely tithe it to you. So here we have the first actual encounter between Jacob and God. You know, Jacob, I'm sure, had heard about the Lord, but it seems that the Lord had never come and spoken to him yet. And so this happens as, as he's, he's sleeping. It happens, in a sense, in a dream. Uh, this, you know, we call it Jacob's ladder. Sometimes it's unclear exactly what these angels are going up and down on, but he's seeing. You know, it's this idea that the the space between heaven and earth is is kind of thin here. That that, that it breaks through. Right, heaven and earth are not these 
two things that are separate from each other, but it, it's the other side of reality. And so there are places, there are times when uh, it, it can come across, right? That, because they're not actually that that separate. Um, and, you know, Jacob tries to acknowledge that in the end, right? Saying, well, this is this is God's house. Uh, and, you know, he makes this, this altar for him there. You know, there's there's a sense in which there might be you know holy places, but I, I think a better way that we can understand it, if if heaven really is all around us, if God is present in all places, uh, then this can happen any time. It's it's more about not us naming this or finding the specific place that's God's house, but saying, where is God showing up right here and right now? Uh, it's it's not about making God present. It's about naming where God has has shown up. And so uh, God appears here to him, and and when he speaks to him, you see very clearly that the blessing has been passed down to Jacob, right? That's what happened earlier in this chapter, not back in chapter 27 when he stole Esau's blessing. And, you know, God's blessing here, it it seems a little surprising, you know, (laughs) coming after what Jacob has just done to deceive his father and anger his brother. Um, God is saying, I'm going to do all these things for you, you know. What does this say about God? Well, it shows us, it reminds us again that Genesis is a story of God's faithfulness. It's not about finding people to either be role models or be people we shouldn't be like. Uh, Jacob is not a good role model. If you haven't already picked up on that, that's not the way these stories are meant to function. We don't read them to say, this person did this, so be like them. Uh, That can be useful, but, but the bigger focus is who is God here and what is God doing? You know, it Maybe it is a little upsetting or, or we, we wonder, why would God bless somebody that's doing such terrible things and uh, is going to continue to not be a great person all the time? Um, you know, I don't think that we should say that, well, yeah, just do whatever you want and God's still going to bless you. Uh, it's not that simple either. But the point is that God's faithfulness is not dependent on human faithfulness. And ultimately, ultimately, that is good news because I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to earn God's blessing. Jacob has definitely not earned anything right now from God. And yet God is still going to be with him uh, because God is on this journey. Um, in some sense, he knows that Jacob is going to take some time to get to where he needs to be. But he knows that Jacob can get there. And this is what God needs to do in this moment. So God promises all these things, uh, right? Unmerited blessing from God. And how does Jacob respond? Um, I, I think the key word here is uh, if, right? When J- in verse 20, he says, if the Lord God be with me, and then he lists all these things, right? Be with me, protect me, give me food, clothing, and bring me back home. If you do all these those things, Lord, then the Lord will be my God. You know, it's it's very conditional service from Jacob after this unconditional promise from God. I think that says a lot about Jacob's character, right? There's a sense in which he's trying to steal a blessing from God, too, even though God has already given it, right? He's saying, if you do these things and you'll be my God, and God's already said, no, nope, I'm going to do this. Uh, so Jacob is not showing much faith here. Uh, and, and you know, why do we sometimes, though, do the same thing? How do we do the same thing? How do we try and make deals with, with God? You know, maybe you've been in a really tight spot and you said, all right, God, if you'll take care of me here, then, you know, I'll start going to church more and I'll, I'll read my Bible every day. I'll, I'll be better at this. You know, we think that God needs uh, those assurances from us. Like we said before, God, God can't be manipulated. God doesn't work that way. There's not some secret formula of, all right, if I do this, then God has to do that for me. 
Um, God is free, but God is also love. And so God is going to do what's what's loving. And yeah, we may not understand those blessings in the time. Sometimes people get blessings when, when we really wish God would, would knock them down a peg. And people that really need something, it, it doesn't come in the, in the way or the times that we want. We can acknowledge all that, but, but still trust that God is going to be faithful. And it's not just about us, because if it were, then it would be about us earning these blessings. Jacob is uh, the prime example of, no, you don't have to earn it. God is going to work with you and, and get you to the place you need to be, right? Uh, we're going to get a story in a, in a, a couple of sessions about Jacob literally, literally wrestling with God, uh, which is what's always going on. And I think that's what we're always doing too. But God is trying to bless us, but we need to know that, know the blessing that is meant for us, not take the blessings that belong to other people, and then use that blessing to be who we're meant to be and bless who we are meant to bless. Because as God says once again here, the reason I'm blessing you is so that you can bless everyone else. And when we forget that, when we want to claim those blessings just for ourselves, that's when we run into problems. That's when we start deceiving others and cheating others. But when we know I'm only blessed so that I can be a blessing, we can appreciate what we have and we can do the good that we're called to do with it. So thanks for joining us today. Uh, it's going to be probably a couple weeks before we have another another class here. Just again, <laughs> taking times off for the holidays. So I uh, hope you look forward to, to joining us again. But thanks for listening. Merry Christmas.